I love Grant's energy and enthusiasm. As a student uh, ministry, we get to experience that every Sunday night. So give him a round of applause. Absolutely. Well, for those of you guys that don't know me, my name is Jeremy Jones. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. And you picked an excellent day to be here because we're starting a brand new series called Shape. But before we dive into that, I've just got a question. Have you ever gotten just really bored of church? Have you ever just been like, oh my goodness, another Sunday? Because see, when I was 18, I was really, really bored of church. I decided, you know what, I'm not going to come back anymore. Because every Sunday, it's pretty much the same routine. You get up, you come, you sing a few songs, you hear a guy talk, sometimes it's good, sometimes it's not, and then you figure out where we're going to go for lunch. And it's then the next Sunday you come, and it's, you hear a couple songs, you hear a guy speak, maybe it's good, maybe it's not, and then you figure out where you're going to go for lunch. And it's wash, rinse, repeat, wash, rinse, repeat, Sunday after Sunday. Now, and eventually, when I was 18, I'm like, why am I doing this anymore? Like, really, honestly, I can think of better uses of my time. And so when I was 18, I decided I'm not going to come back to church anymore. This, I'm done with this. And if you've ever felt like that, once again, you picked an excellent Sunday to be here. Because that's what we're talking about. If you've never felt like that, congratulations, you're a better person than me. I applaud you. But then again, it doesn't take much to be a better person than me. But whether you felt like that or not, I do think most of us at some point, that we wrestle with that. We struggle with that. Really, why do I come to church? It's not like each week it's a completely different setup. It's not like you come in here and you're like, whoa, they redid the whole room. And then the next week, wow, that was like some experimental theater. And the next week, you know, the lights are all, you know, it's, it's kind of, there's a lot of similarities from week to week to week. And I just got bored. I just got tired of it until something changed, until something in my mind switched. And so, like I said, if you've ever felt this way, we're going to look at one verse. We're just going to look at one verse in the Bible. But if you take this verse seriously and you really apply it, it is going to transform the way you view church. It's going to transform the way you view your life. It's going to transform the way you relate to Jesus. And so today we're going to be looking at a verse in Ephesians. And to give you a little bit of background, Ephesians was a letter. There was this guy named Paul. He was an early follower of Jesus. And what he did is he went basically all around the Mediterranean planting churches. He would tell people about Jesus. He would lead them to Christ. He'd get 10 or 15 of them together, establish a local church, train them for a while, and then move on. And then in order to keep equipping and encouraging those churches, he would write letters. There was no email. There was no texting. The only way he could communicate was to write letters. And those letters, we've saved a lot of them. They're in the Bible, and they're basically based on whatever city he was writing to. So when he wrote um, to the church in the city of Rome, that letter we call Romans. If he were writing to people here in Natomas, there might be a letter called Natomans. But we're going to be looking at one called Ephesians. It was a letter written to the church at Ephesus. And so in Ephesians chapter 2, there's this verse that, like I said, has the potential to completely switch the way you view church. And here's what it says in Ephesians 2, chapter 10. This is what Paul was writing to a church to help encourage them and equip them. This is what it says. We are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. When I fully started to understand what that verse meant, it flipped the way I viewed church. It flipped the way I viewed everything. And so we're just going to kind of break it down for a little bit. The very first part, and this might be the something, this, this very first phrase might be something that someone here today really needs to hear. It says at the beginning, for we are God's handiwork. Another translation of the Bible says we are God's masterpiece. 
For some of you, the best thing that you can hear today is that you're not an accident. That God created you as the epitome, as the topmost point of creation. There are no mistaken people. There are no accidental people. There's no one God went whoops on. No, every single person who's ever drawn a breath is considered God's handiwork. We are all God's handiwork. Every single person that lives and breathes, God is crazy about. And it's not just that we're God's handiwork. The second part is what really started to transform my life when I got just I was out on church. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works. See, my problem had been that I came to church thinking church was all about me. And if you're not following Jesus, that's fine. Absolutely. Show up here thinking it's all about you. That's, that's not a problem. Once you start following Jesus, it stops being about you. And so my problem is that I would come in every Sunday and I would evaluate everything based on whether or not I liked it. Eh, first song was pretty good. Second song, that was kind of weird. Don't really get where they're going with that one. Third one, not bad. Fourth one, oh, yeah, too bad. Oh, the speaker was okay today. Those were some funny jokes, but eh. you know, And I would just evaluate everything based on myself, based on me. And what flipped the switch for me was to understand, once you start following Jesus, it's no longer about you. You are created in Christ Jesus to do good works. And so if you've gotten really, really bored with church and you're a Jesus follower, that's on you. If you're bored with church and you're not a Jesus follower, that's on us. Because the purpose of when we gather here on Sunday morning is yes to worship God, but if we are Christ followers, it is our job to make sure every single person that walks through those doors leaves feeling encouraged, feeling loved, feeling cared for. We were created to do good works. One of the core values that we hold very dear here at Adventure is this idea called people matter. And every single Sunday morning, it is our job as Christ followers to make sure that people feel like they matter, that people feel like they are someone who knows that God loves them. That's what we do. We were created to do good works. And not just were we created to do good works, but look at the very last part of that verse, that God prepared in advance for us to do. It's not that just that there's some random set of works and we need people to pull a tab and take one. It's that there are good works created specifically for you. God prepared you in advance. God prepared them in advance only for you. You're the only one that can do it. You're the only one that can be a part of this. Let me give you just a real obvious example. I am a husband and a father. God has given no one else the role and responsibility of loving my wife and loving my daughter to anyone but me. If I'm not being a good husband or good father, no one else can step in and do that role. Sure, people can come and be friends and encourage and equip, and everyone needs friends, everyone needs family, but there's no one else in charge of or responsible for being a good husband to my wife or being a good father to my daughter except for me. When I'm not living into those good works that God's prepared for me, they suffer. When we as a body of Christ do not engage in the things that God has for us, other people miss out. Other people suffer. Because it's like I said, it's God's given them only to us, specifically to us. And it's not just within our family. The same thing is true within our jobs, within our schools, within our careers, all different things. There are things that only you can do. And you might say, yeah, Jeremy, but at my job, like anyone in two weeks can learn what I do. It's not that hard. Yeah, maybe anyone can learn the technical skills that you do, but God's got you there for a reason. Forever long you're there at that job, God's got you there for a reason. 
Maybe you're the chief encourager for your department or your floor or something like that. Maybe what God wants you to do is really make a connection with someone in the cubicle next to you. I don't know specifically what it is God has for you, but God has you there for specific purposes. And once I learned this, and once I really started to apply this in my early 20s, it totally flipped the way I view church. It went from being about me to being about what does God have for me? What does God want me to be doing? What does God want me to be engaging in? How am I supposed to really be living this out? Now, usually at this point in time, if you're tracking with me at all, or if you're the least bit anti-authority or rebellious, you're like, that's great, Jeremy. We're supposed to do good things, you know. I didn't have to come on a Sunday morning to figure that one out. How, though? Like, what, what am I really supposed to do? How do you... How do you know what to do? How do you know what God's created you for? You say there's these things that God created specifically for you. What are they? How do I figure that out? And if that's you, if that's what you're thinking, once again, perfect Sunday to be here. Because we're starting this thing called shape. We're talking about it today, and we're going to talk about it for the next uh, about three or four weeks. Shape is an acronym. We didn't come up with it. A guy named Rick Warren came up with it in the early 2000s. But what shape is... It's an acronym that explains exactly how God has gifted and wired each of us to contribute. And what we're going to do today is we're going to kind of break through those down pretty quickly. And so, like I said, if you don't catch everything today, don't worry. We're talking about for the next couple weeks. But SHAPE is an acronym, and it stands for, each letter stands for a different way that God has gifted and wired you to do good works that he's prepared for you. So the S stands for spiritual gifts. God has given us each spiritual gifts to bless the body of Christ. H stands for heart, those things that you're passionate about. A is your abilities. P, personality. Each of us have a personality. E, experiences. Each of us had different experiences. And so I'm going to do just walk through those like a little bit more slowly. Spiritual gifts. Every Christ follower has spiritual gifts, things given to you by God for the benefit of the body. The use of all spiritual gifts is to equip and serve the body of Christ. There's a lot of different spiritual gifts. I'm just going to go through five of the more common ones Paul, that Paul talks about in a couple chapters after the verse we looked at. There's more than this, but like I said, these are five of the more common ones that show up. Um, and a lot of, anytime you get a body of Christ together, you usually have a couple people that are apostles. Now, when I say the word apostle, people tend to think back like the 12 people that follow Jesus. A better, more modern term for apostle might be spiritual entrepreneur. In every body of Christ, there's always those people that look around and say, okay, we need some more kingdom over there. Nothing's happening over here. We need to go start something. If you know someone who's constantly starting new ideas, creating new things, that's kind of the spiritual gift of apostleship. They see where there's no kingdom presence. They see where there's a need. and like, okay, we need to go do something about this. We need to start something. We need to create something. You know, they're usually like, I have a great idea. And so that's kind of the spiritual gift of apostleship. They're also, in any good body of Christ, there's also people that are prophets. When you hear the word prophet, do not think tells the future. That's not what I'm talking about, okay? Prophets are those people that call you back to God, that are constantly saying, hey guys, have we prayed about this? What does scripture say? Have we thought this through according to what God's leading us into? A prophet is someone who always pulls you back to God because it's very, very easy to drift. And there's always those people that are like, let's let's, let's pray, Let's, let's see what God says. Any healthy church needs people like that because it keeps you focused on what's most important. Um, there are always people in, in the church that are evangelists. And I don't necessarily mean people who are good at speaking from stage and hundreds come to Christ. An evangelist is, think about that person that's a recruiter. 
If they see in a movie that they want to go, to go see, they're like, hey, why don't you come with me? I heard this is a great movie. They read a book. They're like, hey, you've got to read this book. They're the person that's like, hey, I'm going to go do this. You should come with me. Evangelists are those that are always bringing people with. A good church needs people like that that are always encouraging. Someone like, hey, why don't you come with me Sunday? It's going to be awesome. You know, they're always bringing people along. A good church needs lots of evangelists. Another thing that you always find usually in a, in a body of Christ is you find these people that are shepherds. Churches need lots and lots and lots of shepherds. Shepherds are the ones that take care of everybody. They're the ones that remember birthdays, anniversaries. They're the ones that if they haven't seen you for a week or two, they're like, hey, is everything okay? Do you need something? You know, if you get sick or someone has a baby, they're the ones that organize the food trains, stuff like that. Churches need lots and lots of shepherds. Without shepherds, churches fall apart because it becomes very cold and impersonal. Churches need lots of shepherds. Another gift that you see oftentimes is teachers. Teachers are the ones that make things like, you're like, oh, well, after I listened to her, after I listened to him, it made so much more sense. They're really good at taking Scripture, taking the Word of God, and making it applicable, making it understandable. Churches need lots of these. Groups need lots of these. People who say, okay, I'm helping everyone else by showing them this is what we're talking about. This is what we mean. Like I said, those are five of them more common. There's a bunch of them. We're going to keep talking about this week after week, so don't feel like you have to have gotten it all just then and there. But there's a lot of different spiritual gifts. H, heart. Heart is the thing that you get angry about. And I'm not talking about when the person drives 55 in the fast lane. I'm not talking about that type of anger, okay? That's a different type of anger. I'm talking about the things where you look at in the world and you're like, this should not be this way. If there is a loving God in heaven, this can't keep going on in our community. This can't keep happening on earth. You know, the things that you're like, it's wrong that kids are getting abused. Or it's wrong that there's no one taking care of this group of people. It's wrong that and your heart are the things that you're like, I'm willing to fight to see that this thing gets changed. It can be a bunch of different things. We each have different passions given to us by God. But what are those things that you're just like, this needs to be different? This can't keep happening. I've got to do something about this. That's a good indication of where your heart is. Your abilities. What are you good at? Like, for example, I'm constantly amazed by people who are good with tools and that they're handy. Like, I'll watch this three-minute YouTube video of someone who's like, and here's how you fix this. And, you know, in like three minutes, they go and they do it, and it's all so simple. And I'm like, I can do that. And then two and a half hours later and four trips to Home Depot and $300 later, I'm like, I can't do that. That's not one of my abilities. But then you see these people, like, we've each been given things that we're just simply good at by God. You see these people like wizards with numbers, and they're good, and you're like, if I had to do that for eight hours, I'd probably hurt somebody, but they manage to do it. Or you see those people like, they're good with kids, and you're like, I don't know where they get the energy from. You've been given something by God that you're good at. P is personality. This is where a lot of people in this room need to give themselves some grace because somehow the idea has crept into churches that the only people God uses are those that are really great on the stage and are capable of inviting 20 people a week with them. And that's just not true. That is a personality type. Yeah, there are some people. But whoever you are is who God created you to be, and you can stop apologizing for it. There's nothing wrong with you. If you're an introvert and you don't like large crowds or be something like that, there's nothing wrong with that. Who you are is who you are. God created you. Like we said earlier, you are his masterpiece. You are his handiwork. Stop apologizing and understand that God created you to be that way for a specific reason. Now, with all of that said, jerk is not a personality type, okay? (laughs) If you are a jerk, that is a sin issue, okay? You can't just be like, well, that's the way God made me. 
No, God didn't make you that way. You're being a jerk. Cut it out. All right. E, experiences. There are things in your life that have happened, good and bad, that shape the way you're going to interact with the world, that God will redeem and God will use to help others. You see this a lot of times where someone had like a traumatic experience as a child and then they go and help other people walking through that same situation. You see this sometimes where someone who's uh, been fighting an addiction, God redeems that and now they use that to help other people walking through addictions or something like that. God uses our experiences to benefit and shape others. That was a lot of information. So what I want to do is I want to kind of make it like a little bit more real and just kind of walk through. Here's how this has kind of played out in my life a little bit. Um, one of my spiritual gifts is teaching, uh, my heart. One of the things that really, really makes me mad is to see people not know they're loved by God. Like it drives me insane to know that there are kids that think that that no one loves them, that there are students that think nobody loves them. Uh, one of my abilities, I'm I'm pretty good at, at building teams. I'm pretty good at team management, stuff like that. Personality. I like to work on projects. One of the things that Scott and I joke about is like if I walked into a room and someone was like falling down and like broken their leg and there was like a mess, Scott rushes over immediately. He's like, oh, hey, hey can, I, can I take care of you? What's going on? What's going on? I'm like, okay, we need to get this mess cleaned up. You know, it's just like different personalities, different ways of reacting or something like that. Like he runs straight to the person. I'm like, okay, we got to get this done quickly. Um, my personality, though, is just kind of built around I like to work on projects. I like to get things done experiences. I grew up around kids my whole life. I grew up around there. One of the defining experiences in my life that really got me pointed back towards God is when I, the first, uh, when I started volunteering as a middle school small group leader. And so God's used all of that. And what I do here at Adventures, I work with our students and our children's teams to build volunteer bases that serve kids, that make sure that every single Sunday, kids and students know that they're loved. Kids and students know that they matter. Uh, on Sunday nights, we built a student ministry all around the concept that any student can come here and know that they belong. Any student will know that they matter to God. It's like our defining core characteristic of student ministry. That's how God shaped me. Um, I think about my wife. Spiritual gift. She is a shepherd of shepherd. I will forget your birthday, and then I won't even remember that I forgot it. You know, She's great at remembering all those things. Her heart. She cares for the neglected and the overlooked. Her abilities. God's really skilled her as a nurse personality. She's kind of quiet, doesn't really get loud. If she's yelling at me, come quick, because that means I'm about to die. She does not raise her voice, okay? (laughs) Experiences. Her mom was a nurse. God has used all that and molded and shaped her, and she's a hospice nurse. She goes into environments where people need soothing calm. They need someone who's going to walk them through and help them with these last stages of life. She gives courage to the family. She gives comfort to the dying. People tend to overlook them. And so she focuses in on them, and it's how God uses and shapes her. She also serves here as a middle school uh, girls small group leader. You know, if you know middle school girls, you know that there's chaos all the time and stuff like that. They need a soothing, calm presence. Um, She works with our 3 to K. She makes every kid feel here on Sunday mornings feel like they're welcome. I have other leaders that are very much the life of the party. The way they make kids and students feel welcome is that they're like always doing something fun, always doing something exciting. Here's the deal. There's not, a, there's not a right shape. However you're shaped, God will use that and help other people forward. God will use it to make something good come out of this. We need different people of all different kinds pouring in. And so a lot of times people say, okay, I like this, Jeremy. I like this idea of shape. I like knowing that who I am is not a mistake. But I'm not quite sure, like, what to do with that. Like, how do I get started? I'm not quite sure if I know my spiritual gifts. I'm not quite sure if I know 
like exactly what my personality and abilities and stuff are. And if that's you, there's a couple things I would recommend. One, keep coming back for the next couple of weeks. Like I said, we're going to be talking about this idea of shape for the next couple of weeks, every Sunday. Two, if you want to dive deeper in your reader, buy the book called Shape. That's where a lot of this is coming from. It's got by, written by uh, Rick Warren and a guy named Eric Reese. Eric Reese is the pastor at their church who actually implements this. It's a much larger church. They can have a pastor strictly designed for shape stuff. Um, but he wrote this book about here's how you discover it. There's like tests in there about here's some of your spiritual gifts. Here's how to figure out your passions and your abilities, stuff like that. So if you're a reader, you can download it. They've got it on both um, iBook or Amazon Kindle, or you can just buy the paperback if you want. Um, I thought about buying a bunch here, but I was like, people are just going to go get their own anyway because it's cheaper. So definitely check out that book. Um, keep coming back, check out the book, and then here's the third thing. Just jump in. There's this mistake that people think that they need to have everything figured out before they begin, that they need to kind of like know exactly what's right before they jump in. And here's the deal. You're never going to be 100% sure. In fact, you're going to discover a lot about who you are through serving. And so jumping in will teach you a lot about what you need to be doing. And there's always like, well, well, what about the fact that I'm too young or I'm too old. And I look through scripture and I see Josiah was like 12 years old when God made him king of Israel. Moses was 80 when he got to lead people out of Egypt. There is no good age. There was no a, there was not a second A in shape that said age. You can only be this old. Like if you're alive and breathing, God has a purpose for you. If you're a Christ follower, God has a purpose for you. So just jump in. Go out into the lobby. You'll see this big sign that say people matter because we believe people matter. We need people jumping in in all different areas. Take a look at the different opportunities and just sign up for one. We'll call you and say, hey, here's kind of what the role's all about. And like that you're not signing up your life for blood. You know, you're not going to be there like, if I sign this, I'm committed for the next 75 years or anything. No, we're just saying, hey, this is something you might be interested in. We'll walk with you. We'll talk with you, something like that. But jump in. And here's the reason why. I want you to picture this story. It's a story that happens here a lot. But here's, here's something I just want you to think about for a second. Imagine that in our community there's a single mom, okay? And it's been the back-to-school week. And her ex-husband has just told her, or didn't even bother to tell her, but she knows that the support check should have been arrived a long time ago, and it hasn't. And she's thinking, okay, I've got all the bills that I have. I've got all the back-to-school bills. I don't know what to do. And so she's thinking, maybe... Maybe there's some hope. So she's like, you know what, I'm going to give church a try because honestly, I'm about ready to lose it. And so she just starts Googling. She comes across our church. She sees on there hope. And she's like, that's exactly what I need, hope. And so on a Sunday morning, she decides that she's going to actually come. She's like, you know what, I'm going to be there at the 9 a.m. service. And so she gets up and then it quickly realizes it's not going to be the 9, so she's going to make the 1030. And so she's coming in and she's got a couple kids with her. And before she even gets to the door, there's a greeter there. And this greeter says, hey, thank you so much for being here. And she's struggling with, you know, carrying a diaper bag, carrying a carrier and two other kids. And the greeter walks in and says, let me help you. Grabs the diaper bag for her and says, hey, is this your first time here? And she's like, yeah, yeah, it is. The greeter's like, let me, let me help you walk you through this process. So the greeter takes her to the info center and shows her how to get the kids checked in. And they walk to the classroom. And when they walk to the classroom, her kid goes in. A kid, you can tell, is a little bit shy. Doesn't know if I really want to leave mom or not. But there's someone working in the kid's room, okay? And they just get down on eye level with the kid. And they're like, hey, buddy, what's your name? Thanks for being here. We're going to do some really fun stuff today. And the mom's able to drop them off one at a time. And, you know, some of them take a little bit longer than others. And she makes her way in this room. A greeter helps her find a seat. And then she's like, oh, 
there was coffee out there. And so she walks back in and she gets a cup of coffee. And for the first time in weeks, she has a moment just to herself. And she can just sip some coffee. And so then she walks back in here. Service is getting started. She doesn't really know the songs, but she can feel the spirit of love and she can feel the spirit of adoration in the room. And she's like, this isn't bad. It's not too bad. Speaker gets up, says some things. And she's like, okay, yeah, you know what? Maybe there is hope. Maybe hope isn't a unicorn that doesn't exist. Maybe it's real. And so she gets done with the service and she hears something about a community group, about where people get together during the week to encourage and pray for each other and just kind of do life together. And she's like, man, if I could have anything right now, I'd love some friends. And so after the service is over, she goes back in the lobby and she goes to the info center and someone's like, yeah, we'd love to connect you into a community group. They take down her information. Someone will contact you this week. She goes and she picks up her kids and they're like, Mom, this was so fun. Why do we have to leave? You know, and she's like, no, come on, we got to go, we got to go. And they're like, well, when do we get to come back? And she's like, well, we'll see, we'll see. And the next day, it's Monday. Someone calls her up. Hey, thanks so much for being at Adventure. I heard you're interested in a community group. Why don't you come to my house Thursday? We're having just this big potluck dinner. You don't have to bring anything. It's your first time, but just come on. And they're like, well, I've got three kids. Bring your kids. We've all got kids. Well, they're kind of rowdy. There's not a kid who's not. You know, come on. It's going to be fun. And, and she hangs up the phone and she thinks maybe, just maybe there really is hope. And see, the thing is, that story happens every Sunday here. I'm sorry, but it does. And it takes dozens of people to pull it off. When I say jump in, I'm not saying jump in because it's a good thing to do. I say jump in because there are lives at stake. See, it's not always a single mom. Sometimes it's a couple that's moved here and they're like, we don't have any friends. Sometimes it's a guy who's just lost his wife. And he's like, my kids live halfway across the country and I don't know what to do. And every Sunday, that's somebody's story here. And so if we're going to be a church that really is serious about bringing hope, we've got to jump in. We've got to be the people. Because like I said, every Sunday morning, it takes dozens of us to pull this off. Every Sunday morning, there's people that get here before anyone else arrives to unlock the doors, to set up the coffee, to set up the donuts. It's not just setting up coffee. It's providing those single moms a moment of peace in a chaotic week. There's people that get in here that you never see that are setting up the slides, making sure that when we sing, the things appear on the screen. There are people that are greeting you at every single stage that you get in here. There are people working with our kids. It takes dozens to pull off so that we can change one story. And every week we need people jumping in and being a part of that because no one person can do it all. Everyone is uniquely gifted. Everyone is uniquely shaped. And when the body of Christ works together, lives change. If one person had to do all of that, well, it'd be chaos and a disaster. Could you imagine me trying to be up here trying to sing? Could you imagine me trying, like, like, trying to do all the different instruments and then run back and do the tech and then make sure communion gets passed out and then make sure someone's working with the kids? That would collapse any one person. And the churches that you see that really thrive and really do a good job reaching their community, it's because Christians that believe in Jesus have gotten off the sidelines and have jumped in. It's kind of like if you were to go to a gym. And you know the first time you join a gym, they walk you around, they show you all the different equipment, they tell you how to do it. And then the next week you come back and all you did was sit down and watch other people exercise. And then the next week you, you're like, hey, I went to the gym three times this week. Man, those people got sweaty. You know, you're going to quit coming after a while because it's boring to watch other people serve. You want to jump in. It's boring to watch other people exercise. The reason, I got, the reason I got so bored with church is I wasn't in the game. 
It was all about me. And for some of you, that's the same story. But life changes when you jump in the game and you start serving, when you see that, hey, yeah, I'm with a kid that was crying for an hour. I'm not sure I changed that kid's life at all. No, but you helped the mom. Or I handed out bulletins. I'm not sure that changed anyone's life. Yeah, it does. How many people don't go go a whole week without anyone smiling at them and being kind? Together, collectively, we're changing lives. And we need you to be a part of this. It's the fall. People are coming back into church. You know, you get out of the summer routine. You start getting back into the school routine. There's new people showing up every week. We need people that are going to be there to greet them. We need people that are going to work with their kids. We need people that are going to be part of communion. If you hate kids, you don't have to serve with them. Okay? There's always this like, I don't want to serve. I don't want to have to be with four-year-olds. Well, then don't be with four-year-olds. I don't like to be around people. The tech booth. We'll stick you back there. You don't have to talk to anybody. Just keep pushing buttons. You know, whatever it is you're good at, however it is you're shaped, jump in. Because we need you. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that we are a church that understands we were born for this. It's not just a good idea. You created us. You molded us. You shaped us. You've got good things prepared in advance for us to do. And so, Lord, for the the man or the woman that's here for the very first time, and they wondered, is there hope? Lord, my prayer is that they would understand, yes, that they are not a mistake. They were fully and wonderfully created by you. Lord, for all the rest of us who have accepted your son as our savior, give us the courage and boldness to take a step into serving others. Not just here at Adventure, but starting here at Adventure for sure, but also in our communities, in our homes, in our neighborhoods, in our places of employment, the schools we go to. Lord, we make us hope bringers. Make us people that take hope wherever we go. Give us the courage to serve you. Give us the courage to be a people who bring hope everywhere. And it's in Christ's name I pray.